This is part two in my conversation with Alejandro Reyes, the coach that I hired who ultimately helped me launch a six-figure online ministry. Our conversation picks up with one of the most backwards suggestions that I had ever heard. Start on Facebook. This is the Digital Missions Podcast. I know that a major part of the strategy is surprisingly Facebook. Everyone's saying, go to TikTok. Everyone's saying, go to YouTube. When everyone's zigging, you're zagging. You're saying, actually, no. One of the best kept secrets, if specifically when it comes to monetizing your audience, is a thing that is this ancient relic of the past called Facebook. And truth be told, that's where the vast majority of my sales, my income, my sustainability has come through Facebook groups. So you want to be able to translate the authority into a specific asset, which is a Facebook group. Can you talk to us about ways to, to grow a Facebook group, number one, but number two... Why is this so important? What is the advantage of a Facebook group and how does this actually move us in the direction towards financial sustainability and in, in our mission? Yeah, be, the market before, and you guys have probably seen people you may look up to, the market is, is join a webinar on Zoom, get sold to, never hear from them again. Then they email you three months from now, hey, got another promotion. They only show up when they have something to sell. I never want to show up only when I have something to sell, I want to show up on a consistent basis, help you solve some of your smaller problems so that when you do have some big problems, I have something that you can do. And so it's not so much about Facebook uh, groups as it is about community. Hmm. And you and us here know the power of community. We're part of the big C, the church. And, and we know community better than most people, most business people. Hmm. And so community, people want, they want to belong to something they want to know like these, I have these kind of core values and where are my people online and they're looking for them. So people aren't a part of one or two Facebook groups are part of 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 that they love movies. They love parenting. They love potato gun create, you know, making shooting potato guns. I don't know if you're in Idaho, but there's just some random groups for anything. You think of something random right now, Go type it into Facebook, click groups, and you're going to find some weirdos that are just like a lot. There's so many different things. And mm -hmm. so my point is there's something inside of you that you might like. I don't know if it's this thing. It could be. And that's what's cool about Facebook is you can see are there groups and are there people in those groups? I just like building a community around Facebook right now, Facebook groups specifically, because the audience is a little older. They have more money. Um, and, and for our stuff, we are a little higher priced. And, and people still spending so much time on them. Here's what happened. You have people going, oh, people left Facebook. They're on Instagram. People left Instagram. They're on, they're on TikTok. People left TikTok. Now they're all on, on YouTube. And it's people did not leave mm -hmm. sites. Mm -hmm. They have just become, they've learned adoption to use multiple sites. Yeah. So I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on, I know how to use these all. It doesn't mean I deleted the Facebook app, which very rarely people will do that and say they do it. I have people complain about Facebook all the time, but they're still there. And Facebook groups right now, I think is one of the best ways. So the way we build it, Justin, you know this, is we have a group that, and we also, that grows our email list. So the group and email kind of work in tandem. Mm -hmm. And that is one of the most powerful ways to nurture your audience to build authority through that content by demonstrating your leadership on how you can help them. It's the most powerful thing right now. Will it be discord in a month, six months, a year? Will it be something else we've never heard? Maybe. Is it Slack? Who knows? 
But right now, Facebook groups are powerful. I think one of the things that makes Facebook so powerful is that there's so many terrible Facebook groups. Yeah, uh, there is. It's this opposite perspective where it's like, oh, but Facebook groups are always so annoying. They're so spammy. Yeah, that's true, which is why when you create a good Facebook group, it's so different of an experience. Yeah. It's, it's one of the ways that you can actually stand out. It's just, imagine you complaining about uh, video on the internet, YouTube, it's all, it's all low res, it's all low quality, it's 360p videos. And they're like, yeah, but you could offer 4K. You could yeah. offer something that's beautiful and meaningful and actually going to provide value to the audience. We, we do this in some of our private discipleship communities where we've been funneling people to Facebook group up to this point. Mm. And people are literally downloading Facebook and adding Facebook to their phone just for our community app because yeah. the, the sense of belonging is so meaningful and so important. And that ability to do life with others who are on the same journey mm. actually does make a difference. That's so good, bro. All right. So we are getting clarity on who we are, what we're offering, whose problems that we're solving. We're building authority, eventually to get people towards a Facebook group. And then, as I understand it, maybe the next step in the process is something about a live launch. And this is where we're able to really be able to solve the problems a little bit more in depth, but then to make this transition towards monetizing the offer. Can you talk us through some of those important key steps and those strategies that lead people to showing up to the Facebook group and build the confidence that says, you know what? I do want to sign up for the thing. I do want to be able to be a part of this program or whatever the case is. What are some of the most important elements that cause people to make a decision? Yeah, that's good. In Facebook groups, this is where you didn't have a product before you, you launched it, right? So mm -hmm. with Facebook, you guys, if you've joined a group, some groups allow you, they ask you to fill out some questions. You get three, what they call membership questions. And so I like to get data. Let me back up. We're going to do an event to sell something. Okay. Mm -hmm. Most people will create a product and then sell it. Mm -hmm. And they wonder why no one buy, bought was because you didn't ask anybody what they wanted. And so the way we teach it flipped on in its heads. Hey, we're going to sell and make money to create a product. So you actually created your product after you sold. And I have a client and you would, you might know them. We did some consulting with them last year. They were on entertainment tonight. Um, uh, it was, it was, it was two people. They have over 5 million, uh, Instagram, Facebook followers, and they spent about 12, $15,000 to record uh, a course, ended up selling this course to their 5 million followers as a $99 course. They sold. Did I tell you this story? No, but I How can imagine the numbers, knowing the numbers, they made a killing. Okay, so how many would you say these people, 5 million, how, how many people bought that course? What would you say? It's 99, $99. That's a no-brainer price. Over 100,000. 77 people. Wow. Oh, no. 77. Oh, that's, that's discouraging. That's discouraging. 5 million you people. You were discouraged. They were very discouraged. Yeah, I They bet. spent all their money on building a product that, they, that no one requested. Oh, no. So what we do is we build a product with our audience. It shows empathy that we care, hmm. shows that we see you. And, and the membership questions that we ask, Justin, are what is your biggest question when it comes to being a digital missionary? Hmm. What is your biggest obstacle when it comes to content? What is your biggest obstacle when it comes to your finances? What is a big, your biggest option yeah. when it comes to X, Y, Z? 
And so now people are telling you, you have hundreds of people coming in. We'll talk about that in a sec. You have people coming into the group. And now you see 80% of people, I thought it was this thing. Thank goodness we didn't create a product on this. Because only 20% of people said it was this. Yeah, It's yeah. actually this thing over here, which is probably the you. It's the Y-O-U. Mm. It's probably the thing that like, oh my gosh, this is so basic. Yeah. But it's foundational. Yeah. It's key and it blows their mind. The, the, go ahead. Yeah, sorry, just because the advice is so simple. Actually answer the questions that they're asking, not the ones that you want them to be asking. And yeah, yep. it is a duh. It is a like, yep. of course, like you know, slap yourself on the forehead. It's so brain dead simple. And yet content creators who got, you said 5 million followers Five man, had a complete public biff, fell right on their face because they missed the most simple advice, which is just pay attention to your audience. I think that this is one of those things, as much as I might want to be in a, in a cynical day, uh, on a low day, maybe I didn't have enough calories in or whatever the case is, on a day where I'm feeling all the feels, I might have looked at all those experiences of me teaching digital missions for free or virtually free and getting no mm. results for years and years. And I've probably done a hundred presentations on digital missions up to this point. I might've looked at that in a cynical moment as, man, this is a complete waste of my time. But what it was not, it was a waste of time. What it was for sure was education and becoming more aware of the needs of my audience. And so this is the value of like regular content. And, and there's a million ways you could do this. If you're a writer, do it through an email list. If you're a video person, make video. If you're a blog, like whatever, there's a million one yep. ways. If you're a live presentation, you're doing this every time you're giving a Bible study, every time you're preaching. But if you're paying attention to the responses and the questions that people are asking, mm. then you get super sharp on the actual problems, That's not good. the problems that you wish that they had. And I know I don't know about what it's like in your church context, Alejandro, but I know that my friends and I that are part of this denomination, we're really good at giving answers to questions that no one is asking. Hmm. And that's the fundamental mistake. It's actually being relevant by being relevant. It's talking about what other people's pain points are, not our own personal interests. Think about going to the date and just talking about yourself the entire date. That's just not going to work. Yeah, so love, it, it love is the dumb moment. Yeah. We love hearing ourselves. I talk to my daughters about when they're getting in trouble, they're 13 and 15, when they're getting in trouble. We, we, don't, we, wanna, we don't want them arguing with each other. Sure. So what I say is sometimes you got to listen. And like when I'm talking and communicating to you right now, I'm not wanting you to craft a rebuttal or a response. I just want you to listen. And so much of what you're describing is we just, we want to sound smart. We want to sound, we want to be quick. We're the church. We have to yep. have the theology. We, it, it's hard for us to say, you know what? I don't know that right now, mm -hmm. but you know what? Let me. And so really intently listening to people and not in, in, in injecting with brute force what we think they need. And so that's one of the first questions. The second question is if the digital missionary awesome Facebook group helps you blah, 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 X, Y, Z desired outcome, would you be open to buying a, our courses in the future? So the second question is ultimately letting people know that we have something to offer. I don't want to just pop up out of the blue like, hey, guys, buy my stuff. I want people to know we're going to make some offers in here. And then the third thing to go to your email list is, hey, what's your best email? We'll send you all the training replays, blah, 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 to your email address. So those are the three questions we do. We're growing our email address and we're growing knowledge and data. So based on that data after you start using maybe some Facebook ads or something of that sort to grow it, or you're using your organic audience, your current email list to start growing the group, you start getting some feedback. 
And then in the group, what you say, and, and this is important, you have to use the word think. Mm-hmm. It's very important. I'm thinking of hosting a free workshop designed to help people X, Y, Z. The thing that 80, 90% of people said. Hmm. If you're interested, comment below. This is what you did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Some variation of this. I'm thinking. But the reason you say thinking is so that people, if, it, if no one responds, then you're off the hook. You're like, man, I must have got this wrong. So I need to rethink how I frame this or go back and read the data better. And then you get all these comments and it's like FOMO and social proof and everyone's, oh my gosh, I got to be a part of this. So now they're aware algorithm starts working in your favor. And then the next one is, hey, we're hosting an event called the XYZ event. It's a two or three day event or whatever you want to do. And so all that to say is I'm using the data, I'm using with feedback to craft something to teach. Mm-hmm. And then, I don't know if you have questions about that, then we got to talk about what we teach because we're over teachers, right? Yeah. Okay. The primary mechanism to get people into the group, and, and this has actually turned out to be one of the unexpected learnings for me was <laughs> that you can do this through organic posting. Uh, I was actually getting the most results from my two smallest audiences, mm. but they were the most niche down for the target that I wanted to serve. What do I mean by that? Mm. I have a 120,000 subscriber YouTube channel, but it is like all across the world. It's Christians in general, but my Facebook and my Instagram account were stewarded in a very specific way up to that point. That is to say, it was mostly family and friends and mostly people that I've met on the circuit, which were all intents and purposes from my same denomination. It was a very insular group of people. And so when I was thinking about crafting my offer, I was thinking about that demographic specifically mm. in mind. I, and this is actually one of the things that you and I had multiple conversations around. I was like, hey, why do you want to position it just for your denomination? Why not reach the, the, the larger church? And I said, you know what? I want to move in that direction. I think that there's a space for that. Mm. But my expertise, my perspective, my lens is specifically in my denomination. Really good. I understand the pastors in my denomination and their desired end results better than anyone else in the social media ministry kind of space. I, I know that I can bring value to the table here than anywhere else. And so it was clarity on that and being willing to, be, to really niche down and then to make this offer and say, hey, I want to help you get the results that you're looking for rather than the results that I want you to get. So this, one of the ways that this looked like, for example, was in the old ways, I used to talk about, hey, I want to help you start a YouTube channel. I want to help you start a TikTok channel. I want to help you start an Instagram channel. It's okay, cool. Some people want that, but what do they really want? Pastors don't want to be a TikToker. They don't want to be an Instagrammer. They don't want to be a YouTuber even. What they want to see is people making decisions to become followers of Jesus. What they want to see is real life change in their community. So when I realized that, I stopped offering what I had been offering for years, which was, I will make you a social media influencer. Instead, I started offering things like, I will teach you how to get hundreds of people signing up for Bible studies on a $0 budget. I will teach you how to get your sermons in front of a million people in the next 12 months guaranteed kind of a thing. And I started to reorient the desired end goals, not from what I wanted, but what my audience wanted instead. And as I started writing that copy, what was amazing was my ad system broke down the first three launches that we did. We ran zero ads for the first several times, but because of good copy, good understanding of my audience and making a good offer that they want, we were able to see hundreds of people coming into the community for free on my smallest audiences. Yeah, I think, like I said earlier, 
engagement happens when specificity and copy happens. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and that's really intently knowing. I would go as far to say, sometimes I'll still do this. I'll call people that purchase from me mm-hmm. or I'll call people like, hey guys, I'm, I'm free. If anybody has any questions, I want to hop on. I just want to hear, it, it, Oprah did this very well. She, it was her, tell me more. They say something that kind of sparks something. You're like, tell me a little bit more about that, Stella. Tell me a little bit more about that, Cynthia. Like, what do you mean by that? And we're trying to peel back the layers to understand the real reasons. Okay, you said that's the problem. What's the real problem? And it's like Shrek. You got to peel back the layers, right? Peel back the onion. And so that's why what you did started to work is because you knew the audience so well. You were so confident on it. And you just kept iterating on based on the feedback that you were getting from people. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. So let's move into the next progression. We move from getting clarity on what to offer, clarity on the way that we're going to bring people in. Let's talk about what do we actually do. So the way that you coached me was to do, I think it was a four-day event. And the way that I'm, I'm walking through some of my students in the Digital Missionary Academy on this process is think about if you were invited to teach on a weekend conference, they give you three or four sessions. What is the problem that you're trying to solve? What is the end goal? And how would you organize those presentations to be able to lead people along in that journey? If, and, and the basic point I'm trying to make is this, is listen, if you can wrap your mind around that, then you actually have all the tools that you need to have a successful launch. Because this is the thing, pastors are excellent when it comes to content creation. You may not think it, You're like, I'm not a content creator. Hold on. Like, it's the one thing you do every week. You are absolutely a content creator. You may not be a TikToker. Your spiritual gift may not be wiggling your butt to the trendy videos on TikTok, but you are absolutely a content creator. You can do a live launch. So what would you encourage a pastor uh, when it comes to organizing the actual content, the information for a three or a four-day event to actually help someone solve a problem? What are the mistakes that people are making? Biggest mistake is, I call it, throwing the kitchen sink at people. We think, especially Christians, Mm -hmm. we think that in order for someone to buy from us, we have to throw the kitchen sink at them, meaning we have to show so much value. We have to give them this. We have to do this. We have to blow their minds. And then they're going to be so confused that they want to work with us. Actually, it does the opposite. Mm -hmm. They're so confused, they don't make a decision. It's the way the brain works. If we're burning too many calories, we're just indecision starts to happen. So what we tell people is, I want you to write out, I'll do this on an iPad, or you could sketch it out on a piece of paper, before on the left side, and then after on the right side. So what's their before? Where are they at now? What's their present pain? Write a list of five to 10 and come up with the one that you think you can help best. As And, and, and I'm going to get back to that in a sec. And then what is after? What's their desired outcome? So there's... Ha- Hell Island, Heaven Island, like where's the pain right now and, and where do they want to get to? Mm-hmm. The bridge is your course walking them through to get to that desired outcome. So each step of the way becomes these, write down all the steps it takes, might be six, eight, ten. Those become your lessons and your modules from your program. But there's somewhere in there in the beginning that you can share something that creates a quick and meaningful win. Hmm. Meaning, what is something every single day, if it's a three-day event, what is something that you can teach them in 20 to 30 minutes that they can do homework that day within the next 30 to 60 minutes after that training? 
mm-hmm. right? So it's what use you in your marketing. But that was so easy. Yeah. It gets yeah. me a dopamine. I just, I'm able to do this. But if I told someone, hey, the first thing you're going to do is you're going to call to grow your volunteers at your church. You're going to call 500 people and then you're going to put them all in planting planning center. And that's part of the strategy. It works, guys. Sure. But it works. No, no one's going to do it. Right. So it's very counterintuitive approach and it works. If you could give people, I, I use this thing called analog every single day. And I, I write out the top three things that I'm doing every single day. When I cross something off, feels good. So good. Yeah. <clears throat> and so it gives me a little dopamine hit and boom, I finish something. And so when you're creating your content, make sure each day is one single thing that they can do in 30 to 60 minutes during or after your training. If you can do that, they will come back the next day. What else are they going to teach me? And if you do that over the course of a couple of days, when you're getting ready to sell what you do, people are like, if he gave me a result over the uh, course of three days, then yep. I, for free, it must be so much better and so much more mind blowing when I cross the chasm of paying him to, for his help. And so you got to get away from kitchen sink type training mm-hmm. where you got to, I, I got to, I'm going to sell something. So I have to show my value, my worth. Mm-hmm. No, you show your value and your worth by demonstrating that you can help people by yeah. actually helping them by yeah. actually yeah. getting them a quick and meaningful result. Yeah. So it sounds like as much as we, cause most of us in the ministry world, we trade information. That is our primary, our, our prim- primary value that we bring to the table. Mm-hmm. It's information, whether that's theological or philosophical by nature, But what you're saying is for the purposes of this seminar, while information is great and all, information should take a backseat to actually solving someone's problem and providing a quick and meaningful win. In other words, we are offering a result and not information. If you can offer a result in 20 or 30 minutes, a result that they can actually accomplish that evening as they do their homework, that's the key to building trust. Man, I got this key result because of Alejandro's teaching. And he's doing this all for free. And every single day I'm getting these key results that things that I've been wanting to do for forever. Man, what could it possibly be like if I joined him on this larger journey? People don't need more education and information. Mm -hmm. The way we structure it is we're building transformation. Mm -hmm. People start to become, most people are not getting stuff new stuff done in their life. They're on the hamster wheel going through what they normally do. So what we do as marketers is we shake them. Hey, come check out my stuff. And then they're like in this new world. What do I do? What do I do? And then you put something in front of them. It's just overwhelming. And then you make it so simple for them. And it's not education or information. It's transformation. They start to become the person that they, the, the identity that creates wins and momentum internally. And they start seeing through transformation what's possible for their life. And if I pay them, I am going to become who I truly want to become. And this goes back to what I was saying is we're ultimately helping people getting from point A to point B. From point A, not this big thing, this is later on, but we're trying to help people with our Metron. We're trying to help people with our God-given gifts to create a result that creates, stirs up something in them, especially faith. Man, I I could do this. Hmm. And so that's what I love. There's a transformation that happens instead of just education and more information. I love it. I love it. 
Let's talk about one of the, the last pieces, and maybe you can add something to the end if there's something that I'm missing here. But yep. as I understand it, one of the one of the most important last pieces is ultimately the offer. And you've already given away the game that a lot of first clients, the actual advice is don't build it and then offer it first and then build it with people. And what that looked like practically for me was saying, hey, on my first launch, I want to offer this cohort-based journey where I will teach you how to get these end results, how to get Bible studies and millions of people reach with the gospel, how to create your first piece of content, yada, yada, yada. But rather than building a full curriculum, what I offered was in essence, multiple times a week, for me at least, it was I think twice, two or three times a week, I'd just jump on live calls like a Zoom and say, hey, I'm gonna just live teach, here's my keynote presentation and I'll walk you through in the same way that I would at a local conference or at a church sermon. I just build my keynote presentation and live teach it and give you the opportunity to ask me questions live. And so in other words, I'm offering this program that gets them to this end result, but I haven't built it yet. And the beautiful part about it is, is that though first students get to be the guinea pigs, they get to help me test and retest this thing, and they can even ask me questions, which is a higher value perceived at least, and it makes a better product. So is there something that I'm missing there? Or if maybe you can talk about what is the power of doing it this way as opposed to the build it first and then make the invitation? Yeah, build it and they will come is, is not true, right? It's, it's <laughs> right. build the church, build the big building, and everyone's gonna come. No, it's a lot more mm. than that. And so what we wanna do is really listen and hear what people want and when we make an offer to that first cohort or those first people, we position it as a pilot or beta program. Mm -hmm. Not only are you going to get first access, we're going to build this together. People love being a part of something else. Mm -hmm. So we're going to build this together. Not only are we going to build this together, but you're actually going to get more access to me than anyone is going to have access to me. I just got a big following or for you as, as an example, like I don't just hop on the phone with everyone, but mm -hmm. you guys are the people that we're going to work with and get more access to. And but I promise you, like day two or three, they literally think, it's just weird, they literally think you're a rock star. You have become the authority by mm -hmm. day two and three. And they're looking to you to help alleviate some sort of pain. And so the way we create the offer, it's really important, is we make sure that it's not a nice to have, but mm -hmm. a must have. Mm -hmm. This is the difference between selling vitamins and painkillers. Vitamins, oh cool, I'll have, oh shoot, I, I didn't take it the other day. If it's a painkiller, people will pay whatever to alleviate that. They will not miss ever taking that type of medication, right? So they have pain, they want it. So we need to create something that, that's not a nice to have, but it's, there's, I just gotta have this right mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. And so if we are able to take their data, we're able to use this event to help them create some breakthroughs and some transformation over the few days, the pilot, we start pitching the pilot. We just gotta make sure that it's something that they truly desire that you can probably help them accomplish in 30 to 60 days. What are, if you were to think about like the church and maybe the average preacher, what are examples of painkillers that, that really we should be offering as a church, much less as content creators and people that are moving towards missional sustainability? What, what would be some examples of painkillers? Just flesh that out a little bit. Um, as a church? Sure. Painkillers that churches, I, I would say there's a deep desire for community. Hmm. There are a lot of churches post COVID because we're going to a much more remote world. Community is not a nice to have, it's a must have. You wanna connect with people. So creating opportunities for people to, to connect. Um, 
I think a must have for church is discipleship. It's easy. It's like you have 20 year old Christians, but they're like, they, they, they're like still having milk. You know what I mean? They like, and so it's really easy to get someone to raise their hand. It's really difficult to disciple. So mm. coming up with some sort of discipleship type of program, I think is very key and a must have because it really starts to impact your volunteers. There's yeah. a level of vested interest. So to me, I would say even in community, like discipleship, there's a community element of it. So to me, I think one of the biggest things like a must have for a church is, is discipleship. That's probably the, the biggest thing I would say right now for me. Yeah, we've been playing with that in our in my local church. And one one of the ways that we've been having this kind of painkiller approach is like doing marriage seminars, for example. And yeah. in, from the perspective, hey, a lot of marriages are on the rocks, are struggling, and being able to bring yeah. in people who have a testimony around that seems to be really a hit when it comes to that conflict resolution, for example. I know that one of my students, Joel, he's creating content around solving the kind of lust problem for a lot of young men. So these are felt problems. Yeah. that we can offer uh, an air quotes painkiller approach. Here, here's what I would say about that. My answer went straight to the thing that I wanted, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you're in that. So, so I get a survey. So mm -hmm. what should you do? Mm -hmm. Send an email out to your 500, 300, 200,000 person email list and ask them, hey, we pulled a few people and here's the top three things people want. If we created a seminar, which one of these would you want? And everyone picks, 80% of people pick this number three. Then you follow it up. Hey, we're creating an event on marriage. What's your biggest obstacle when it comes to marriage? And everyone's thinking like it's all these other things because of what we want, but it's, man, it's this communication thing over here. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I said what I wanted, but I got to say, what does the church really need? What does your church and your context need? And so that's what I would build it around, just like I'm building a course. What is that specific, this specific cohort, what do they need most? I love it. I love it. To wrap things up, and, and you let me know if we need to insert something prior to this last little piece here, but I want to talk about limiting beliefs that a yeah. lot of pastors tend to have when it comes to the type of financial success that is possible through mission. Are there any limiting beliefs that you've seen as common trends across the board that seem to reoccur more and more as you've done this? Yeah, it's, we talked about it earlier. It's, there's a couple of Christians should not make money. That, that's a limiting belief. But I would say because of the church, a lot of that language, there's a lot of imposter syndrome. Like mm. I'm just a pastor. Oh. I'm just a missionary. Who, who's going to oh, believe me? That was me. me. That was me. I'm just yeah. a missionary. Yeah. Who, yeah. Who's going to, who's going to, who's going to, who's going to listen, let alone buy what I have to say. My, yeah. my buddy Jeff, for, I, I'm just a cop. For me, it was, I, I'm struggling already trying to give this information away for free. What yeah. are you telling me that I'm going to put a price point behind it? Like that's going to be the biggest, most public fail ever. Well, I'll say this, people that pay attention. Hmm. So, so having things behind a paywall sometimes is important. I pay someone over $20,000 a year to coach me. Hmm. And if I paid that person $20 a month, oh, it's like a Netflix, I'm probably not going to make all the calls I'm probably not going to do the work because it didn't cost me anything. Yeah. But if yeah. I spend 20 something thousand dollars, I'm like, I want to, I got to make this work. I've got it. I'm intent. I, I, I listen. I show up to all the calls. And so that's what happens when people like give their, like when they give their money, wherever your treasures, there's your heart, right? Mm -hmm. Or whatever the flip side of that, I, I might've butched that. But all that to say, it's like where people spend their money, that's where they're at. 
Hmm. And so that's why even like going to an $8 gym is different than spending $1,500 a month with a personal trainer. Yeah. Like it's, it's like Netflix, no big deal. But if it costs you something, then matter. So that's what I would say. Like the people that join your program, I have so much respect. It was probably such a faith move for mm -hmm. people, for some people to do that. And, and there's something that happens, a transformation, a breakthrough that happens when you pay. And so I would just say, if there's a limiting belief that, man, I, I'm imposter cinema, who am I? You got to charge for this stuff. And here's the last thing I'll say on limiting beliefs and imposter syndrome. You have to actually, I think I would, I started playing chess a few months ago. I, I think I'm, I'm picking it up pretty good. I used to say, it's all about chess, not check. It's all about chess, not checkers. Mm -hmm. And checkers to, or chess to me, when I think of this game and thinking a few steps ahead, this is what you need to think about. If think of, of what's the worst case scenario if you launch a course, think a few chess moves ahead. And if you're okay without outcome failing, then you're fine. Hmm. Like I'm making some big shifts in my business and my agency taking some big risks. And someone asked, my friend asked me, because we always ask this question, if the outcome, if you're okay with the outcome, if you fail, then you should do it. And I thought about that. I'm like, if the outcome happens, then I'm totally fine. We never, ever play out the outcome. Hmm. We never play it out. If you were to, if you were to like fail your thing, you play that out. Oh my gosh, we might have moved back to the United States. We've moved back to the United States. I might have to get... But you go down, it's actually not the end of the world if right. that happens, right? And so we have got to, as content creators, people in ministry, we have to figure out how to fail more often, fail faster, but fail forward. Mm -hmm. And that's the most, pro that's the biggest problem that we as, pa uh, as pastors, we don't want to fail. Failure is a bad word. Mm -hmm. So much of more affairs, you'll saw, you see so much going on. We can't be failures. But actually, man, I, I think we need to fail the right things more often. And if you're okay with the worst case scenario happening, then go through with this, create the course, do that thing, your dream, the dream you have, and just launch that puppy, man. Amen. Amen. I'm reading from your social media right now, one of your most recent offers. I know that the offers tend to shift here and there with the language. And so I'm going to invite you to to walk our audience who's listening to the podcast or consuming this module in the Digital Missionary Academy uh, on what the next steps would look like if they're interested in working with you and having that whole conversation. But your Facebook posts reads this way. I'm starting a new case study group to help 12 people deploy our automated Facebook group system to land $1,000 to $30,000 clients without any calls or webinars. In 28 days, you'll have a community growing on autopilot that you can run in under a few hours per week, which is easily outsourced and spits out $1,000 to $30,000 clients. Big claim. And I guess there's a variety of ways that we can fit into it. I, because of anxiety and fear and imposter syndrome, placed myself on the lowest end of that spectrum. I said, Alejandro, what's the cheapest thing that I could possibly do? Because I don't know if I can actually make this thing work. And you worked with me. But if someone's wanting to work with you, what would the process look like for application to have that conversation with you? If they're thinking, you know what, this sounds really good. And I think that this is now the current stage in my life where I'm ready to take that calculated risk forward. What would that look like? Yeah, we're very selective as we want to 
stack the deck. If I'm stacking the deck in your favor, I've got to stack the deck in my favor too. And so there's three stages we work with people and we've got an ongoing theme that we do a year long program with people now. And the, the best thing in that case study group filled up right away. The best thing I think for most people, it's got a mini course coming out very soon. It's called Group Growth Accelerator, mm -hmm. Group Growth Accelerator. And by the time this is live, it'll be up, but it's, it's designed to help you get your first or next hundred group members. That is the perfect thing. It's less than a hundred bucks. That is the perfect thing to get into my ecosystem and figure out what I do, get on my email list. And what this, that what this will do is help you start to grow your audience so that in three, six, 12 months, we can work together when you have a group of four to 600 and we can help you do an event like we did for Justin. So be groupgrowthaccelerator.com. Awesome. Awesome. I love it. I want to share two closing stories that are related and we'll talk to about the way that you've been able to position my family in the right way. So here's the first message that I just got from my wife texting literally live as uh, we're having this interview. And she writes, the pilot, which is our, our, our Honda pilot, is totally dying. I'm stuck in the middle of the road by our house. The battery is dead. There's something majorly wrong with it. She is close to the house. She is fine. She is safe. I figured all of those details out. So that's the first story. Not a fun story to hear live as I'm trying to conduct a good interview. But the second story is this one that I got on Facebook Messenger. And this is just how bad my ADD is. I'm, I'm monitoring all the channels all at the same time. But this is going to work out for God's glory. Check this out. Hey, Justin, I attended your free class last year, learned a lot, but couldn't attend your master class. I shared your content with my church, and they are now willing to pay my entrance into the Digital Missionary Academy. You're still holding that for the digital discipleship. And could you direct me to information on participating? What you have taught me has been able to position my family so that when things like this happen, we're in a position to be able to navigate through the curveballs of life. I'm not excited that our Honda Pilot is on its last leg, but I am excited that I'm not in the same position that I was a year ago. And the reason why I'm where I'm at now, where I can reasonably take this curveball and we'll be okay, and I can say with confidence we're going to be okay, is because of the coaching that you have offered my family. So I just want to say again, started this way, want to end this way, say thank you so much, Alejandro, for all that you've done. It has made a world of a difference. And I'm excited to hear the follow-up testimonies of people who are listening to this episode, whether live right now in the call, which if you, if you didn't realize, you can join these calls live by joining the Digital Missionary Academy. Send me a message if you want to know more about that. Or if you're listening to this a year from now and you still want to tap into Alejandro, I'm sure he's got the next best thing, another improved and, and late, lately updated program. I, I'm, I'm excited to hear the testimonies of how people's lives are changed by them taking the leap of faith, not only just trusting you, but trusting that God has put something on their heart that actually does matter and should be the kind of thing that can provide for their family in a meaningful way so that they continue with their mission. Alejandro, uh, I just, I love you so much, man. And I'm grateful for you. You've been the biggest blessing to my family. Love you too, man. Super pumped and look forward to hearing all the great stories that people do, man. This is the part of the podcast where I normally tell you about the free course, which is made available by our sponsors, the Adventist Learning Community. However, I'm not going to tell you about these six hours of free training that you can get by simply going to the link in the show notes. Instead, I'm going to make an ask. This is the time of the year where sponsors are re-examining if the support is worth it or not. In other words, 
The question on the table is, does the Digital Missions podcast make a difference or not? And to be fair, I don't know. I do my best to show up every single week and provide some value to you, but ultimately you're the judge as to whether or not this show is meaningful to you. And so here's my ask. If the show has positively impacted your life and you'd like to see it continue into the next year, could you be so kind to take five minutes of your time to rate and review this podcast on your app of choice? Share a bit of info on who you are, why you listen, and what your honest thoughts are on the digital missions movement. Your generosity with your words may impact the possibility of a season two. If you're one of the homies who has already reviewed and rated the show, first off, thank you so very much, but you can still support today. Send me an email at hello at justinku.com sharing how the podcast has impacted you personally. I'll say this, hosting the podcast and creating a space for digital missionaries to gather together is one of my favorite things to do, and I'm grateful for the opportunity to serve you all. So thank you for taking a few minutes out of your day to give back.